Hey, good morning, Park RP. Good morning, good morning. My name is Phil Adams. I serve as the pastor here of Park Rogers Park. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for coming with a friend. Thank you for, um, yeah, coming with a family member. I feel like we've got a lot of guests with us this Sunday, so thank you for being here with us. One of the things that we like to do every week here is we have a greet time where we stop mid-service and we just greet one another, find somebody we don't know and say hello to, so we do that with intentionality. Um, so our, our heart is that if you're here for the first time that you feel seen and known and got talking to somebody and weren't left alone today. I hope that was the case, and for those that are here every week, please continue just to have eyes to see those that maybe here are that are that are on their own or someone that you haven't spoken to before and go say hello. I want to thank uh, Jason and Sam for for coming up and sharing about Uptown this morning. Where where are we we got some core team members here. Who's who's on their core team? I see some here. We got some more. We got some more in there. Whoop, whoop. We got like a quiet, a silent. Ooh, ooh. There we go. <laughs> Uh, I, just want, I just want to affirm everything those guys said, you know, like, like God has a plan for each of our lives and he wants us, we're going to look at today, he wants us to be aligned with his will for our lives and that means sometimes going out and being sent out to other places, other neighborhoods, other countries in the world. So if the Lord is leading you to go and be a part of that, even if there's just an inkling in your mind, like maybe go, go, go talk to them, go, 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 go and ask some questions, go and stay after service today and listen to hear more and if the Lord is sending you down there to uptime we bless you and we will send you and be excited for what god is doing in uptime through you and the team down there so please know that if you've got a bible please turn to luke chapter 5 as you may know we are in a series right now working through the gospel of luke it's been rich it's been, it's been excited exciting and this week actually it's the perfect week for Sam and Jason to join and share an update about the, the, the church plants in Uptown, about the need for gospel witness and proclamation, not just here in Rogers Park, yes, in Rogers Park, but not just in Rogers Park, but across this city and our world. Because so far as we've, we've been studying through the gospel of Luke, the, these chapters that we've looked at, these first four, they very much served not only as an introduction to who Jesus is, and you'll have felt that over the last number of weeks as we've looked at who is Jesus, but it's not only been that over the last number of weeks, it's also been the question of what Jesus has come to accomplish. Back in chapter 4, we read that Jesus came to bring good news to the poor, to the captive, to the blind, good news to be shared, to be announced, that will resonate with everybody, with all who recognize their own inadequacy before God. Jesus came to offer good news to all of us who recognize this morning our need for Jesus' gracious intervention and his help in our lives. And this week we're introduced to an idea that may seem kind of obvious to some of us and, and maybe just is very much baked into the DNA of Park Community Church that we kind of maybe take a little bit for granted, but this week we're introduced for the first time in Luke's gospel to the fact that Jesus does not want to proclaim the good news alone, but he wants our participation in coming alongside what he is doing. But not only that, we're going to see today that Jesus didn't only come to give us purpose in life through our participation in gospel proclamation, but he also came to offer us belonging amidst a world that, that, that is relationally fragmented, where, where aspects of who we are can often feel pitted against aspects of somebody else, where we feel maybe, maybe feeling at home can feel like an elusive concept. We live in a world where feeling sure of our acceptance 
can be outdone by a stronger feeling of our own inadequacy. Amidst this world and the dysfunctional and broken relationships of our lives, we experience that Jesus offers us belonging. He offers us a place where we are accepted and we are seen and we are loved and we are secure. But in fact, that the place of belonging Jesus offers us cannot be attained without an alignment with his purposes. The the sense of purpose that Jesus infuses our lives with cannot be differentiated from the place of belonging that we find in him. There's a word that missiologists like to think about, missiologists being people that think about the mission of the church, and the word is communitas. Here's this definition of this weird word, communitas. Communitas is the sense of belonging and intimacy that develops among persons who experience liminality as a group. Let me read that again. Communitas is the sense of belonging and intimacy that develops among persons who experience liminality as a group. And to understand this definition of communitas, we have to first understand what liminality is. Liminality is the not yet. Liminality is the the passing through from one place to another place. Liminality is when you have left one place together but not arrived at another. Liminality is when you're in the process of planting a church. It is not the, the departure and it's not the destination, but it's liminality is the journey. And communitas, as it relates to liminality, is the belonging, the intimacy, the camaraderie that develops when you find yourself in a place of liminality with others, when when you're journeying together, when you've bit off a little bit more than you can chew together, when you're facing the unknown together, when you need one another to get to where you want to go. The classic example of communitas is the fellowship that forms in the Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings, there is this binding of relationships. There there is a sense of deep belonging that is formed due to the purpose that the characters come to share. And as as they seek to keep the ring and protect the ring and destroy the ring, they embark on a journey bound together by their need for one another to accomplish the task ahead. One of the conversations that we're, we're having with our, with our small groups here at RP over the past year is how do we see our small groups as unique individual stories being told? Is it, is it possible that every small group here at RP has a clear and shared sense of purpose to, to keep the ring, protect the ring, destroy the ring, a purpose that, that binds the group together? That's what we're working towards. But here's the thing, some of, us, some of us lean towards seeing the church as a place of purpose, and some of us lean towards seeing the church as a place of, of belonging. And it's not that purpose and belonging are mutually exclusive, not at all, but sometimes it, it does feel that purpose and belonging are in competition. So, some of us, and I think I've been here at times, can be so focused on the purpose of the church to be on mission, reaching the city and planting churches, that it's possible to not care well for people along the way. The, the task is primary, the mission is what matters, and the priority of people is peripheral. And then on the other hand, some of us think people, particularly already in the church, can be our sole 
purpose. Some of us can be so focused on caring well for the people that are already here that the discomfort of mission can be replaced by the idol of comfort. And so I want to propose to you today not that simply true belonging is gained when we have a shared sense of purpose. I'm not saying we all need to become hobbits on adventure and going somewhere, but rather that when we commit to following Jesus, wherever he leads us, wherever he leads us, true belonging cannot be obtained without an alignment with his purposes. And the sense of purpose Jesus infuses our lives with cannot be differentiated from the place of belonging that we find in him. Purpose and belonging. Belonging and purpose are not found each in the other, but both are found in following Jesus. So let's read our passage for today. Luke chapter 5, 1 to 11. And it reads like this. On one occasion... While the crowd was pressing in on him, that is Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came, they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that in it we find life and we find meaning for life. We find the reality and an explanation for the reality that we are a part of. God, I pray, God, that your spirit would be active in this room, that you would be speaking to us, leading us, guiding us. God, we come with minds that are often distracted. God, we have inadequacies, God, in our lives, and we come dependent on you. So would you lead and guide? May we hear your voice this morning, I pray. In your name, amen. Our story opens today just after Jesus has been preaching and teaching in synagogues throughout Judea. That's what the last verse of chapter 4 says, and he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea, synagogues being places of worship for the Jewish people. But as we enter into chapter 5, Jesus steps outside, literally, literally. In chapter 5, verse 1, Jesus is now standing by a lake, the lake of Genazareth. And there's something already to, to take note of, which is really key for this passage. Wendell Berry writes this beautifully in, in a book called J. Bar Crow. He writes this, it seems Jesus came to carry religion out of the temples, into the fields and sheep pastures, onto the roadsides and the banks of the rivers, into the houses of sinners and publicans, into the towns and into the wilderness, towards the membership of all that is there. Jesus is stepping away from those that had an air of belief in their own self-sufficiency. He's stepping outside of the temple. 
and crossing boundaries away from those that perceive that their inclusion is guaranteed and stepping towards those that find themselves forgotten, marginalized, beyond the peel of acceptance. Fun fact that I only learned in the last couple of years was this expression, beyond the peel, which I think people know in America. We got some nods. Good. Otherwise, this would fall flat. But <laughs> this expression, beyond the peel, actually comes from Ireland, when over centuries ago, centuries and centuries ago, the English came and they set up rule in, this, in, the, in Dublin city. And then they built a wall that they called a peel. You can still see parts of it today on the outskirts of Dublin, even though it's a thousand years old. And this, this, this wall, it separated the city from the villages. It separated the civilized from the wild. And so to leave Dublin city, to go out to the Irish villages and the Irish clans was to go out beyond the peel to go out beyond what's acceptable. Jesus, in our passage today, he steps out, out to the cast, out, out to the left, out. And so in verse 2, it says, There by the lake Jesus saw two boats, and in the shallow water by the boats were fishermen washing their nets. And here it's not that, that fishermen were social outcasts, rather that they were just normal folk. They, they, they had no air of self-importance about themselves. In fact, again, in contrast to having been teaching in the synagogues, in verse 3, Jesus now gets in to one of the boats. And from the boat, rather than a pulpit, Jesus sits down and he begins to teach the crowds. Jesus came to carry religion out of the temples into the fields and the sheep pastures, onto the roadsides and the banks of the rivers. And it's here that, that we're introduced to the main character in our story, other than Jesus, because in fact, the boat that Jesus is sitting in now to teach belongs to a man called Simon Peter, often just known as Peter. So Jesus, he takes a break from, from, from teaching and he, he, he turns to Peter, and again, after asking him to get in his boat, and says to Peter in verse four, put out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. To which Peter responds, Master, respectfully, we toiled all night and we took nothing. We caught nothing. Which tells us a couple of things. It tells us, number one, that the, the nets that Peter was cleaning were nets used for fishing at night in the dark when the fish weren't able to see the nets. And also that if they had fished all night when the fish could not see the net and still caught nothing, surely impossible. They aren't going to catch fish during the day when the fish can see the net. Jesus, I'm tired. <laughs> I've been up all night. I don't want these nets to get dirty again for nothing. But Simon Peter, he still agrees. Why he, he agrees, we don't really know. He probably was listening to Jesus' teaching. He was probably aware of the crowds that were following. He was probably aware of the rumors in the Jewish imagination that maybe he is the Messiah. And so in verse 6, it says, when they cast out their nets, it says, they caught such a large quantity of fish that the nets that they'd been cleaning began to break and splinter. Verse 7 says, there were so many fish, they called over others to help other boats because their boat was beginning to sink with all of the fish. And it's here that we get an insight into Peter's self-understanding and his self-perception. Because in response to this 
miracle and moment of revelation as Jesus revealed his true identity as the Son of God, Jesus doesn't run towards Jesus. He, he, he doesn't jump out and swim towards Jesus in celebration. Peter responds by saying to Jesus, depart from me. Get, 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 get away from me. Just a few minutes ago, Peter was helping Jesus to get into his boat, and now Peter doesn't want Jesus anywhere near him. And I think it takes a minute for us to really understand what Peter is, is feeling here. Actually, if you were here last Easter, we thought about a couple of later incidents in Peter's life when Jesus forces Peter to really look at himself, to really look at his life, to look at his mistakes, to look at his regrets, to look at his failures that cannot be fixed, to, to just take an unvarnished look at your thoughts and take an unvarnished look at your feelings and your decisions and your embarrassments, bring the worst in you out into the open and look at yourself. And in today's passage, Peter doesn't even need to be told. For Peter, his inadequacy is at the forefront of his self-perception. For Peter, his inadequacy is at the forefront of his self-perception. And RP, this is who Jesus left the synagogues to find. Those who feel like they are always on the outside looking in. Circling Dublin City. Circling the peel. Looking over at the, the, the perfect family, glancing in at the, the, the popular and the beautiful and the financially secure and feeling like your life or my life exists outside a place of belonging as someone that isn't whole and isn't loved and isn't accepted and isn't enough. And for many of us, there is no going back. There, there, there is no rewinding the clock to live again the life that we've lost or the life that we've never gained. And for many of us, isn't this what, what kind of drives us in life? Or even what, what gives us a sense of purpose in life? The, the, the niggling feeling that we need to become someone? That, that, that we, need to, do we need to fix ourselves, find every area of weakness and become better and be better or do something or accomplish some version of the ideal life to prove that we do belong, that we are enough. And this feeling of inadequacy, this feeling of not being enough happens on so many different levels. We can be rich, but more so feel ugly. We, we can be beautiful, but more so feel lonely. We, we can be popular, but more so still feel rejected. For Peter, his inadequacy was at the forefront of his self-perception. When he realizes who Jesus is, that he is standing before the Son of God, it's like eyes burning on his greatest insecurities. Get away. Stop looking at me. I know I'm not enough. I know I've screwed up. I know I'm beyond the pale of acceptance. He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. This is a, the first time the term for sinner or sin is, is mentioned in the book of Luke. You know, listen to this. Sin, a rejection of God, of his will and his ways, is the fount 
from which all human insecurities flow. Sin, a defiance against God, against his purposes and his path, is the wellspring from which all human inadequacies emanate. All the sins that we know we have committed and feel a need to compensate for and cover up, hoping never to be revealed, and the sins that have been done to us through the acts of another when we were abandoned or left or abused, and the sins that have been brought about just due to this fallen world breaking our minds and our bodies, making us feel unclean and tarnished beyond even our sense of control. Sin, all of humanity's collective rejection of God, of his will and his ways, is the fount from which all human insecurities flow. And so for Peter, his inadequacy is at the forefront of his self-perception. And if church, don't, don't miss this. Wake up, because this is it. <laughs> if all human insecurities and inadequacies, inadequacies, I can't say that word today, if they all ultimately flow from our broken relationship with God, then the healing and the wholeness and acceptance and belonging we long for can only be gained when our relationship with God is restored. Did you get that? It's simple. If all human insecurities and inadequacies ultimately flow from our broken relationship with God, then the healing and the wholeness and the acceptance and the belonging that we long for can only be gained when our relationship with God is restored. Church, you will always feel unloved and inadequate until you hear God telling you He loves you and that in His eyes you're enough. That felt need is the human condition. A man won't fix that. A marriage won't fix that. A father won't fix that. A successful career won't fix that. We were created to find our place in the world, our belonging and our peace and our reassurance through a restored relationship with God. Nobody else. Not a boss, not a spouse, not a pastor. It's definitely not a pastor. If humanity's rejection of God is the fount of all human insecurities, then it is in hearing his voice of acceptance we find our security, our peace, and our joy. And the beauty of Jesus' response after Peter tells Jesus, get away from me, is when Jesus says these beautiful words, don't be afraid. I don't actually need to go anywhere. You don't actually need to go anywhere. We're actually okay together. Jesus is, is reaching out his hand. Jesus is, is beginning to reveal that through his coming, through his, his incarnation, a way is being made, a plan is being put in place to tear down the barrier that was making Peter feel outside the boundary of God's acceptance. Jesus has left the temple. Church, Jesus has left the temple so that those beyond the peel of God's welcome can today be forgiven and welcomed in. Church, that's the, the good news in our passage today that points us forward to the cross when Jesus died in our place, removing our sin and our shame and our inadequacies as far as the east is from the west. But there is more because Jesus doesn't just say, don't be afraid. In the exact same sentence, 
he says something more. He says, don't be afraid, from now on you will be catching men. And so what does this mean? Well, when Jesus says to Peter, from now on you will be catching men, we we start to see that when Jesus performed the miracle, nearly breaking Peter's nets with the abundance and overflow of fish, Jesus wasn't only revealing to Peter his divinity as God, Jesus was also setting the stage to invite Peter to participate in the purpose for which Christ came. And the miracle was to help people, Peter, to help him to, to see and to understand the task that he was going to be called into. Let me explain. There are two references in our passage today referencing two kinds of catching. You say two kinds of fishing. The first is catching fish. The second is that of catching men or people. And so there needs to be an understanding here as to what is meant here by catching that would be meaningful to both these two kinds of catching that Jesus is speaking about. It's a safe assumption that Jesus isn't talking about catching lunch when he's talking about catching people. So how do these two references of catching help make sense of the other? It's not actually that complicated. The word catch today also means to liberate. The word catch, it means also to set free. And so when Peter hears that he is being invited to catch people, he knows this doesn't mean catching people to eat or catching people to sell, but to set them free. And it's not a a big leap to assume what he either understood immediately in the scene, in this moment, or what he grew to understand, that the very freedom he was being called to offer others was the very freedom from sin Christ offered to Peter himself in the simple statement you don't need to be afraid. I can stay here. You can be there. We can be together. A freedom that says no matter what you have done, no matter your sin or your inadequacies, no matter if you have lost the approval of your friends or your family, no matter if you can't gain the approval of someone that won't give it to you, even if you can't gain the approval of yourself, the love of Jesus sets you free. Because in Christ, you're enough. In Christ, he approves of you. Jesus welcomes you. But also the nets breaking and an extra boat needing to come to help was a means of telling Peter that there is a whole world of people. Did you get that? These fish flying everywhere. There is a whole world, Peter, of people just like you just with the same kind of story as you have. You see why the the gospel resonates with you, Peter? There's a whole world of people that have the same stories, the same issues, the same problems in need of this freedom and welcome and belonging that's offered in Christ. Church, Jesus left the temple. Jesus left the temple. And just as we receive the same reconciled relationship with Christ as Peter, we also have received the same call to participate in the purpose for which Christ came. RP, there are people in Chicago living beyond the pale, outside the city, circling the city. People that won't hear the good news of Jesus unless we go outside Leave the temple. 
to tell them. It seems Jesus came to carry religion out of the temples into the fields and the sheep pastures, onto the roadsides and the banks of the rivers, and he invites us to join him there. And so are we. Church, do we see those that aren't here this morning? Do, do we reckon with those on the outside looking in? Do we believe that those not here could make our boat sink? We all have a, a unique and individual responsibility to be going outside the peel and temples in our own lives, but as a church, together, we also have a responsibility, and one of the ways apart we take that responsibility seriously is we plant churches. We believe that churches working together can exist like a net cast across Chicago. But hear this, churches don't get planted unless somebody steps into liminality, unless somebody steps into the not yet and the unknown and the process. And maybe that's some of us today. Maybe it's you today. Maybe you haven't thought about being part of a church plant before. Maybe you have never thought about being part of a church plant in uptime, but maybe that's you today. Our passage ends in verse 11 with Peter and his brothers bringing their boats on, onto land, and it says they left everything and followed him. And we, we wonder, did, did Peter follow Jesus knowing that in Christ true belonging was found, or did he follow Christ to join him on mission? And the only answer that makes any sense is both. That to follow Jesus means to be with him, and to be with him means to be aligned with his purposes. True belonging and intimacy with Christ cannot be gained without an alignment with Jesus' purposes. And the sense of purpose Jesus infuses into our lives cannot be differentiated from the place of belonging that we find in him. Purpose and belonging. Belonging and purpose. They are not found each in the other, but both are found in following Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the life that you invite us into. God, we thank you that it is life that we walk with you. And to be with you, we need to be aligned with your purposes. So God, may we know your heart for this city. May we know your heart for this neighborhood and this world. God, I pray, God, that we would be a people that live with intentionality. I pray, God, that we would follow Peter's example, God, and we would leave everything to follow you. So, God, would you speak to your people this morning? God, you are here. Your spirit resides with us, in us. So would you speak? Would you lead your people today, I pray, in your name? Amen.